Welcome everyone to our monthly live at Be Infinite. My name is Shabnam Abgari and together with Nagin Karasani, we are your host today. We are gathered to celebrate the International Day of Peace. This day was established in 1981 by the UN General Assembly to commemorate and strengthen the ideals of peace both within and among all nations and peoples. No doubt we are living in challenging times and it can often be tempting to fall prey to the negativity, unfairness and injustice that can be so prevalent in the world around us. But there is another way. By realizing that every challenge we face has the inherent potential to heal and transform. We can learn to approach up all obstacles from a different perspective. This paradigm shift is the realization that all challenges are designed to make us grow and activate our infinite potential. Now more than ever, we need to heal our individual and collective wounds of loneliness, rejection, and separation with the balm of connection, uh, inclusion, and acceptance. The recognition of our need for healing, balance, and harmony gave birth to Be Infinite with the vision to contribute to a world where everyone lives in the now, in unity, love, joy, and with peace. We offer a platform for online transformative learning to realign people with their inner balance and life purpose which will bring um, more fulfillment in all areas of their lives. Now we have an announcement. Give me just a few seconds. We would also like, sorry. We would also like to invite you to attend a global free event held by Heartfulness for Peace Day at uh, this evening at 8.30 p.m., a which is a conversation between Daji, the global teacher of heartfulness, and Jeremy Gilly, the founder of the nonprofit organization Peace One Day. This conversation is followed by a universal meditation for peace at 9 p.m. local time at any location all over the globe. You can register and join the event at a link um, that you can see on the image that I have shared, or we will um, share the more information about this event um, a bit later during our program. Okay, now, I invite everyone to anchor ourselves in the present moment and to center in our hearts. Find your comfortable position in the chair and close your eyes. Let your body relax. Let your breathing become deep and slow.
move your attention to your heart. Read from your heart. Let go of the outside world and rest for a little while in the warmth of your heart. Remain still and quiet in the center of your chest. Go deeper into this space of awareness you have within. Feel your connection with everyone and everything. Immerse yourself in this unity. Feel the sense of calm and peace that results from this connection. Imagine our planet and all life forms, including humans, living connected in happiness and harmony. We are all recognizing our oneness and helping one another, living gently in peace kindness and reverence. Stay connected to your heart and to the hearts of all. Immersed in peace. ready, gently open your eyes while still carrying peace in your heart. Beautiful. Now we are ready to start our conversation. Peace Day provides globally a shared date for all humanity to commit to peace above all differences and to contribute to building a culture of peace. Today, we are here in conversation with Glenda Mattinson, who will guide us in learning about nonviolent communication known as NVC, a process that was created by Marshall Rosenberg for supporting partnership and resolving conflicts within ourselves, in relationships, and in society. This process is known, uh, this process is also one of the pillars in heartful communication, along with working on subtler level of communication. For more than 20 years, Glenda has been helping people to make collaborative decisions and resolve issues peacefully at work and at home. She has a master's in applied psychology and is an internationally certified trainer, coach, and mediator in nonviolent communication. So please join me in welcoming Glenda Mattinson. Hi, Glenda. 
Hello, Nagin. Thank you for making the time to join us today. Thank you, Thank you for the opportunity. Wonderful. Now, a little bit on how our session unfolds today. We start the session with learning more about Glenda's journey and work. Then we move on to interactive segment of the program where Glenda shows us a step-by-step -step process for finding inner peace in difficult situations. Um, as we go along, please feel free to send us your questions and comments and we'll take time at the end to address them. So Glenda, please tell us, uh, tell our audience a bit about your journey that brought you here. Well, I really value um, positive and peaceful relationships in life and work. But I noticed that periodically I would say something I thought was fine and the other person would react with anger or some other negative emotion. And sometimes that really hurt our relationship long-term. So I wanted to understand what I could do differently so this wouldn't happen. And I studied everything I thought would help from psychology and leadership to coaching and NBC. And I discovered that more than 90% of what people were hearing from me came from my nonverbal communication, body language, tone of voice, facial expressions. And I learned that nonverbal communication was the direct result of how I was feeling and what I was thinking. So if I wanted more peace in my relationships, I needed to do three things. First, to notice when I was not feeling peaceful, because that would be immediately evident to everybody around me. Um, and when that happened, how to shift my feelings so I was fully at peace with the situation. And then thirdly, how to structure conversations, what I said, when I said it, and how I said it, to avoid stimulating negative emotion in others and if they were already feeling negative emotion, how to help them restore peace within themselves um, so we could resolve our differences peacefully. Today, I'll introduce uh, you to the process I use and help clients use to find peace in any situation. And then next time, we'll talk about how to help other people shift to feeling peaceful. So now I get to share the fun part. <laughs> Not talk about myself, but, but talk about what I find so helpful. Um, so I want to uh, really acknowledge Shabnam for the beauty of this uh, title slide that she created. Thank you, Shabnam. Um, so what I've learned is to make effective decisions, collaborate with others, or create peace, people need to be on relatively positive, peaceful, emotional ground. Um, but whenever someone's feeling negative emotions, I kind of use this metaphor, it's like they're in a hole. And the thing that's so unfair about being human is our desire to create change, to make things more peaceful, usually arises when we're not happy about something, which means we're not in the right state to collaborate to create change. It's like, why would the desire to create peace arise only when we're not in a place to be able to create it? Uh, 
it feels unfair, but that seems to be the, the nature of, of our human lives. And I've also noticed that anything I say when I'm in that hole of negative emotion is likely to end up with the other person in a hole too. And if we keep talking, we will just keep digging those holes deeper and deeper, making it harder and harder to create the change and the peace that we want. So I became really interested about, like I saw this all around me, I saw it in so many interactions I had had, and I wanted to understand why it happened. And what I learned is that less than 10% of what people hear from us comes from our words. And more than 90% of what they hear comes from that nonverbal communication that I talked about earlier. And things like tone, body language, fleeting facial expressions. And I also learned that any mismatch between our words and our nonverbal communication will result in people um, trusting the nonverbal because they know we can't really fake it um, and starting to not trust us if they sense we're trying to use language uh, to convey something that's not actually what's true for us in the moment. And everyone's nonverbal communication is the direct result of our thoughts and feelings. So in this, so that's why it becomes so important to be able to make this shift from negative thoughts and feelings to positive ones. And in this session, I'll show you a reliable step-by-step -step process that you can use to get yourself out of a hole and onto positive level emotional ground. To me, it's, it's rather remarkable. Um, it's very straightforward and yet it's so powerful. Now, sometimes people hear me talk about this and think that I don't think that negative emotions are a good thing. And I believe actually negative emotions is very, are very important because they let us know that some part of us doesn't believe that some important needs of ours are going to be met in a particular situation. And they motivate us to look for a solution, a way to get our needs met. So I think they're very important. Um, but the, there's a problem, which is when we're feeling negative emotions, we don't have access to the brain resources we need to make effective decisions to get those needs met successfully. So what we need to do is to take the information being provided by the negative emotion and make it available to the part of our brain that's active when we feel positive emotion because that's the part that enables us to think creatively and effectively. And it's also the part that enables us to connect effectively with other people so we can collaborate with them to find successful solutions that will actually get implemented. And this is what the shift process does. So let's start looking at that at the step-by-step -step process. And as we go through this, you might be thinking about a situation that's true for you. Um, uh, Nagin and Shabnam have worked with an, with an example that I'm gonna be sharing with you, but you'll probably get even more value out of this if you think about a situation yourself and you might try it out as we go through. So the first step is an optional one. Um, it can be a great relief to be able to express ourselves fully in whatever language feels right to us when, when something happens that we don't like about everything that's going on. And so if you're someone who 
finds that very helpful. Um, you can do it in a journal. Some people really find that very helpful. And many people find even greater relief from being able to express to another person. I have to say, every time I go out to lunch, um, in a in a place where there's people from that have, from workplaces around, or back in the days when that used to happen, <laughs> more than it does right now, um, I would hear them often doing that with each other. They would be sharing with people the things that about what was not going right for them. Um, and the key caveat um, that I'll mention is that you don't want to vent to the person or persons who are associated with your negative emotions. We actually at least I actually want to do that when I'm upset. I want to express that to the person who has triggered me. Um, I've just found that it's, um, they're actually the last person on the planet that can hear me in the way that I want to be heard in those moments. So that's the first step um, that many of us will wanna do. Once we've had that, whatever opportunity we need to do that sort of free expression, the next step in the process is to zero in on what you saw or heard that you're not happy about. And to separate that from all the thoughts and judgments that at least for me always come up when I've seen or heard something that I'm not happy about. And so it's interesting, Nagin and Shabnam both had a similar experience of this um, uh, that they have shared with me, which is hearing a professor say, uh, no matter how hard you try, you're not going to graduate with this degree. Now, as soon as we see or hear something we're not happy about, of course, like this statement, we naturally have feelings. And so NVC uses the energy of how we feel now to help create the transformation. So there's a there's a quite an extensive list of feelings at feelings-list.com. That, that I reference uh, pretty consistently when I'm doing this. Um, and I've put a summary of some of those feelings here now. So I invite you just to take a moment and either think about the situation that Nagin and Shabnam shared with me, or think about a situation of your own, and just notice which of these words feel uh, like they represent how you feel now when you remember that situation. I'll give a a few seconds for you to just let your eyes flow over the lists. In most cases, the words that resonate for me are in the top list <laughs> when I've seen or heard something I don't like. So uh, uh, when Nagin and Shabnam uh, talked about this, I'm wondering if each of you would be willing to share the words that were true for you when you thought about what the, that professor said. Um, Nagin, would you like to go first? Sure. Mm. Um, it felt uneasy and upset. Mm. I felt upset. Mm. Good. And Shabnam, how about you? Um, frustrated, puzzled, and doubtful. Great. So I, I always find this fascinating, exactly the same situation. And two individuals have two individual sets of needs that come up for them when they think about it. And that's one of the things I love about this work. It allows each of us to be the, the individual that we are and have our own, whatever our response is, is, 
is what we need that response to be. So there's no right or wrong here. It's just, this is, this is how, uh, how you feel. So we started out by identifying what we saw or heard. Again, separating out the judgments, just focusing on what we call the observation uh, that came into us. And then we notice how we feel now when we think of that thing that we did not like. And the next step is actually one that I find kind of fun. And it's to think about what do you want the other person to have said or done differently? Because whenever we feel unhappy about what someone did, it means we wanted them to do something differently. And the clearer we can get about exactly what it would have looked and sounded like if they'd done what we really wanted, the more peace we can get from this process. So in this process, I will encourage you, don't try to be realistic. Don't take into account who this person is and what they have said. Imagine you have that magic wand and can have things be exactly the way you want. And so uh, one of the things that I get to do when I work with people on helping them do a shift process is I help them get to raise the bar on what they want. People would often go, well, it would have been okay if he had said, you know, well, you're not doing very well or whatever. But you know, my goal is to help people get to like, what would have had you feel thrilled? And so working with uh, Nagina and Shabnam, what we came up with was an acknowledgement that the material in the course is not easy but you are clearly an intelligent and hardworking woman. You are totally capable of mastering this course and this degree. And I will do whatever I can to assist you. Just let me know when you'd like support. So I don't know about you, but I kind of get goosebumps when I imagine a professor saying that to me um, when I'm having a challenging time with the course. Exactly, dear Glenda. That is very inspiring and exciting. Thank you, Shabnam. Um, now, the thing that I want to acknowledge is that you know the other person may never do what you want. So I'm not saying just because we imagine it, that's what's going to happen. The power of doing this is just picturing someone doing what you want shifts the part of your brain that's active from that being under threat protection place to that more expansive, creative collaborative place and that's the power of doing that vision it's also the, the first step toward creating what you want but just picturing it actually gives you a lot more power in the situation and it also gives you important information about what your needs are in the situation what's important to you so what do we mean by needs i use this word called needs um, I always think about a, a plant, typically it's a, it's a yellow daffodil, and not being a botanist, what I when I think about what does the plant need, I think, well, it needs light, such as from the sun, it needs um, water, such as from rain, and it needs nutrients from the soil. And when it gets all of those in, in the balance that it needs, it can grow and thrive and bring its beauty to the planet. To the planet. And I believe that's true for us as human beings as well. When our needs are met, we can bring our beautiful and individual and unique gifts to the world where they are so much needed. And so by needs, what I mean is what we need to thrive. Now, 
what's interesting, um, this is a vocabulary that most of us don't actually learn. Um, and so there is, there's another list at um, leads-list.com that you can go to that has a complete picture, um, or at least a picture. And I've extracted some of those key needs uh, here. So I invite you to kind of let your eyes um, drift over the list, see which ones, you know, you, you, um, you see those words and you go, oh yes, I love it when that need is met. So um, as you're reading over the list, um, Shabnam, I'm going to invite you to, to name eh, two or three needs that you're just delighted to see her on this list because you love it when they're met. Um, appreciation, recognition, inclusion, and empathy. Beautiful, thank you. And uh, Nagin, how about you? What are two or three words that, that you love seeing on this list? Um, aliveness, um, harmony, and ease. Beautiful. And uh, for me, um, I think today my list varies from time to time. I think it's the acceptance and freedom. And right down in the bottom corner, there's something about predictability that's really meaningful for me, as well as the whole ease peace thing. So, um, and the core perspective on needs that Marshall Rosenberg, the creator of NBC, um, articulated is that anything anyone ever says, does, or thinks is seeking to meet one or more positive needs. And I can't tell you what a difference on looking at people's behavior and looking at people's actions through this lens has made to my life. So it's another one of those goosebump moments for me when I'm reminded of this, this um, belief that Marshall shared. <coughs> so using words from the needs list, the next step in the process is to identify what needs of yours are met when you picture the other person doing what you want. So um, again, a reminder here of you know, what, what um, Shabnam and Nagin wanted the professor to say. Um, and these are some of the needs that the two of them shared. So Shabnam, I'd love for you to go first and share. So when you think of the professor saying that wonderful uh, phrase, what needs of yours are met? So I would say inspiration, uh, empowerment, inclusion, connection, caring, and um, clarity. Beautiful, thank you. And Nagin, how about you? Um, for me, also caring and connection, uh, sense of safety, and inspiration and empowerment. Beautiful, thank you. Uh, computer was not wanting to unmute there for a second. Uh, again, so you'll notice just as we can have different feelings in the same situation, we can also have different needs met. 
um, when we imagine the same scenario. So again, I love the, the capacity of this work to honor our unique individuality. So just to remind us of the process we've been through so far, um, the first step in the process after we do whatever uh, venting or journaling is important to us is to zero in on something representative of what you saw or heard um, that you're not happy with and to notice and name your feelings, which tends to calm down that threat protection center of your brain. And then we work on the first sort of first side of the shift process, which is thinking about what you want the other person to have done and identifying those intangible needs that are met when you picture that. Now, what I've learned after over close to 20 years of doing this work is that actually wanting something different is like a two-sided coin. Whenever we want someone else to have done something differently, there's a part of us that's also wanting ourselves to have done something differently. Sometimes that feels like there's a part of us that's judging us. And my experience is we don't get full relief from this process until we acknowledge what those self-judgments are, what's actually going on for us, and identify the beautiful needs that those apparently critical voices are really trying to say, hey, I'm wanting these needs met for you. So um, when uh, Shabnam and Nagin asked themselves about the key self-judgments that they had when they remembered the professor saying what he had said, um, they came up with, I don't belong here, I'm not smart enough, I should have taken another subject or degree. And I've found that it's really helpful if we take whatever form those self-judgments come up with and sort of translate it into a should or a shouldn't. There seems to be something very potent about that particular word, which many of us have tried to get out of our vocabulary, which I think is a great thing, but it's helpful to notice if they're still living inside us. And so uh, working with, I don't belong here, uh, we came up with, I should go where I fit in. I'm not smart enough, I should be smarter. And then the last one came out as a should in the first place. Now, the other tip in working with your self-judgments is um, sometimes they come in layers. And when we get to a really powerful layer, it's going to sting a bit. It's going to be like, ouch, ooh, I don't like seeing that about that judgment about myself. And the truth is that's, that's actually a very powerful moment because you wouldn't be feeling negative emotion unless some part of you felt that you'd let yourself down. Now, that's not true. You have always done the best you could in any situation. Um, but what we, that voice that is feeling let down is just wanting to bring some needs to your attention. So we want to translate that voice, or I think of it sometimes as a nut that we want to crack open to find the beautiful needs inside. So uh, the three statements uh, that Nagin and Shabnam had, I should go where I fit in, I should be smarter, I should have taken another subject or degree. The next step is to picture yourself doing that and then identify what needs of yours are met when you picture that. So, um, you know, I should go where I fit in. Um, Shabnam and 
uh, Nagin pictured themselves in a place where they felt like they would fit in. And uh, Nagin, what needs of yours were met? I may have only captured some of them here when you, when you pictured yourself being in a place where you fit in. The sense of belonging. Great, thank you. And, and connection. And connection for you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, thank you. Um, and then the second judgmental statement is I should be smarter. So the, the task was then to picture yourself being as smart as you want to be. So Shabnam, what needs of yours were met when you pictured yourself being as smart as you want to be? Uh, I would say uh, self-respect. Beautiful, thank you. And Nagin? Ease in the subject and mastery. Beautiful, again, love that different, different words came up for each of them. Beautiful, and sometimes the same word comes up, so that's fine too. And finally, the third judgment that came up, I should have taken another subject or degree, and each of them pictured themselves taking a course that came easily and naturally to them. And so Shabnam, the needs of yours that were met when you pictured that? Inspiration. And, and Nagim. Aliveness and pleasure. Beautiful. Ooh, I get goosebumps. I just love needs words. I just think they are so cool. <laughs> So I love hearing what needs are alive for people when they picture certain things. So again, doing a bit of a summary, um, we start again with what you saw or heard, kind of the, the external um, experience. And then you go to the internal experience, how you felt, when you how you feel now when you remember that. The one side of the shift process, picturing what you want the other person to have done with that magic wand and the needs met when you picture that. And then going to the other side of that um, wanting something different coin, recognizing your own self-judgments. I wish we could go directly to what we want ourselves to do, but we so often need to hear the critical voices in their original language and then translate that to the picture of what um, that voice wishes you had done and um, recognizing the needs met when you picture that. And again, I always like to have a magic wand at hand when I do that. I can, all the things that I may have had a long history of, of me doing, I can change that with the wave of a wand. And then the next step, once we've got that, we want to summarize those needs because taking our attention off what we either wanted the other person to do or we wanted ourselves to do and really putting it on those intangible needs is very powerful, but we want to collect all those needs together. And the tool I kind of, I'll call it unvented. I'm sure other people have invented it, but nobody taught it to me. It's something I call a need circle, which is a highly technical thing. It's just a big circle into which you put needs words. And the needs you want to put in are both the needs that you wanted that were met by what you want from the other person and also the needs met by what you want from yourself to get that complete picture. And having done probably thousands of these on my own and with other people, I've discovered that there's a particular anatomy of need circles that people tend to end up being happy with in the long run. And those are, there's usually somewhere between two and five, maybe up to eight needs that are really at the heart of what you want in this situation. If those needs were met, that would go a really long way 
um, to meeting the core of what's important to you in the situation. And so um, I actually did my own professor example to come up with this need circle. And what came up for me about what belonged in the center was belonging and caring, a sense of safety, my own self-worth and feeling supported. So those were the needs that were um, in, in the center for me. And obviously Nagin and Shabnam's would look slightly different. And then once we've got the needs that are at the heart, I think of the other needs that we came up with kind of like supporting cast. They kind of help support the needs in the center in being met. And so my, this is again, my professor example, uh, where you'll notice I had inspiration uh, was one of the supporting cast that, uh, and then down at the bottom, that self-empowerment, aliveness, pleasure um, kind of cluster. And uh, on the left-hand side was that acceptance, connection, empathy, and inclusion felt to me like they kind of belonged in a cluster. And in the, again, in this particular situation, um, the, uh, the other cluster was learning, growth, mastery, and clarity. So I find I have a different need circle in every situation. <coughs> and yet there are often many of the same words that reoccur, but they get combined in different ways. So every, just like every person is different, my experience, every need circle is also different. So, um, so we've gone through the process. Now the question is, are we fully shifted? Has this process brought us to that level ground, which was the goal? And I love that throughout this process, we get to use our feelings as a guide. And so once you've created the need circle and taken a look at it, the invitation is to think about how you feel now, again, using words from the feelings list. And we use the list because there are many words in the English language that we can use after the words I feel that are not actually our own personal emotions. So I feel that the garbage should have been taken out two days ago is a perfectly valid English sentence, but it doesn't actually talk about my inner state. And so, um, when Nagin and Shabnam did, work, did their work with their need circles, they each felt a particular way. So uh, Nagin, would you be willing to share how you felt when you completed your need circle? Sure, I felt confident, empowered, and also amazed with this process. Beautiful, thank you. And Shabnam, how about you? I remember I had a very big smile. <laughs> oh, I felt inspired, energetic, eager, and also confident. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes, um, Nagin and I have, have done this process in the past, but it was the very first time for Shabnam. And I just remember the, the difference between her expression at the beginning and that huge smile at the end. So thank you, Shabnam, for reminding me of that. Beautiful. Um, and so, uh, what I, what I know about using feelings as a guide is when you have connected to all your needs, you will feel lighter and at peace. You will have the kind of experience that Nagin and Shabnam had, but it doesn't always happen the, at the very beginning, especially if you're doing this on your own. Um, so if when you complete a need circle, you don't yet feel at peace, it just means there are more needs that are important to you in this situation that want to be heard. And so I find if you repeat those two sets of questions, um, you until you um, feel that 
that relief and lightness and peace, you will identify the additional needs that are important to you. And then that's the way that you'll know it'll be like, oh, yes, that's what I'm wanting. And there's somehow with this process, there's not only a recognition of what we're wanting, but there's some kind of belief that it's possible. Again, I don't pretend to understand why this happens, but I have seen this magic happen so often. I just really trust it's there. Just like the truck that's outside my window that you're able to be hearing. So um, I found it's really helpful. Like the neat circle is very useful. People often post them on their fridge or they, um, uh, they put them somewhere that they can refer to it. But it can also be helpful to have a kind of a summary statement of that, which turns out to be kind of a reminder of what you're wanting to create in the situation. And, you know, I have friends who will put that in as a reminder in their phone every day, um, just um, as a reminder of what they're wanting to create in a situation that sometimes these go on for a while. And so, um, again, when I worked with my particular example, the title that I came up with was uh, Belonging and Aliveness in Choosing a Life Path. And what I loved about that title is it really brought together the two things that kind of felt in conflict with me. It's kind of like I felt like I could go along with what I was supposed to do and then I would belong, but I would have to give up my aliveness. So I loved that it kind of said I can have both in choosing my life path forward. So when you get to this point, I really encourage you to celebrate. So getting yourself onto that positive level emotional ground is a huge accomplishment. Like nothing's changed in the outside world, but we have transformed ourselves, which is so much what the work of the infinite is all about, to create more peace within ourselves so we can bring more peace to the rest of the world. And so brief summary again, starting with what we saw or heard, noticing how we felt, what we wanted the other person to have done, and then looking for the needs. The needs are really the key here. And then the other side of the coin, recognizing our own self-judgments, picturing ourselves doing what that particular voice in us wants us to do. Um, and like sometimes not all the voices in us agree, but I try to picture whatever each voice wants. I picture that because it is telling me about some unique needs that are met. And then finally summarizing those needs in the circle and the title using our feelings as the guide. So that's now brought us to level ground. Um, and there are two more steps to take to stabilize that shift, to stabilize being on level ground so you don't slip back in the hole. And the first one is to identify what you could do differently in future if the same situation occurred again so your needs will be met next time. And what's wonderful about thinking about the future is that there's no... Uh, there's no constraints. If I think about the past, there's constraints, but in the future, I have full range of choice. But magically, when I'm clear what I could do to get my needs met in the future, um, if in that situation, it creates healing for the past. Again, another of the aspects of this process I don't fully understand, but I've, no, I've just experienced it too often um, to question that that is true. And when I'm trying to do that, 
um, I think about what I saw heard is kind of like a break in a chain. There's been, you know, life had been going along and suddenly there's this, there's this disruption, there's this lack of peace. And the power to create what I want in the future often involves doing something different earlier in the chain, which then results in no break in the chain. I think about it as taking, you know, a trajectory like this, I do something different and suddenly things go off in a different direction. So that's something I'll invite you to think about. And then once you've identified what you want for the future, I find that um, creates some wonderful ideas to clarify what you want to do now to meet your needs in the current situation. Um, and that out of that comes really effective strategies for creating peace and creating change. So again, the overall picture, um, what you saw or heard, your feelings, what you want the other person to have done, needs met, what you want yourself to have done, which you get to through your own self-judgments, needs met by that. You summarize all of that, give it a title, give it kind of a handle to hold on to, then focus on identifying what you could do differently in future, and then decide how to get your needs met in the present. And so that's it. This process has brought peace, clarity, and the sense of empowerment to so many people around the world. And I really hope that it can do the same for you. So I wanted to also talk a little bit about how to bring this to your life. There's a lot of steps in that process. How can you use this to help your life be more enjoyable and be more peaceful? And what I've learned is that communication is a set of habits, just like brushing our teeth. And one of our habits is what we do when we're not happy about something. And so the invitation I would like to offer you is when that happens to build a habit of asking yourself the shift questions. And you can either ask them of yourself or you can get a friend to ask you the questions. And that can be really powerful because we often want to vent to our friends when something happens that we're not happy about. It's just human nature. And, but that can easily result with the friend or the listener leaving with a new load on their back. But if we end a venting session by asking these questions, my experience is both people leave the interaction feeling on positive level emotional ground. So it's a, it's a gift to both of you. In the next session, we're going to talk about, we've talked about how to get yourself onto level ground. In the next session, I'm going to show you how you can help other people get themselves out of a hole. We cannot yank somebody out of the hole. If I was a better artist, this would show a little ladder that the blue person is putting a ladder down to support uh, the person in the hole to get out. Um, and of course, the benefit of that is not only is it a gift to others, but it can help the two of you have a really productive conversation to get both of your needs met in this situation. Now, this, what I've shared with you today has benefited from the feedback of many people. Um, so please share yours in the ways that uh, Nagin and Shabnam will tell you about to help uh, make it even better for others in the future. And I want to do a huge thank you to you for being here and to Nagin and to Shabnam for giving me the opportunity to share this with you. So thank you so much to all of you.
Thank you so much, dear Glenda. This was very helpful for me, and I'm so glad that I have this um, as yet another um, valuable tool in my toolbox to, to go to whenever I need. And I'm sure that um, our audience will benefit a lot uh, from this empowering uh, technique. Thank you so much for sharing. And now we have a few minutes for Q&A. Uh, please feel free to post your questions in the comment section of the uh, uh, live video on Facebook. And I am going to pick them and read them out loud so that Glenda can answer them. Um, and also, um, you can leave your comments and feedback uh, in the comment section of the video. For now, I have received one question, so let's get warmed up with that. In a heated and confronting situation, how can we go through all these steps that you mentioned? That is a great question. And the answer is, I don't think most of us can. With a lot of experience, you can do it, but right off the bat, it's not gonna be realistic. Um, so actually there's another technique I teach, which is what do you do when you get triggered in a situation to buy you the time to do the shift so you don't dig both of you deeper in the hole and so that you can have a productive conversation. And I will actually also include that in our next session. What, what do you do in the moment if you find yourself triggered? Thank you. Thank you, dear Glenda. And now the second question is, can nonviolent communication help to receive a lost relation, sorry, to revive lost relationships? Yes, it can. And this time I'm getting pricking of tears behind my eyes, remembering the relationships that I have helped revive um, the, the quality of connection and often of love that seem to be lost. And uh, in my experience, there's, there's several steps in the process. One is um, learning ways to communicate when we would like something to be different that are more likely to be received in a positive way to create collaboration. So that's one part is learn, learning the skills to help things go more easily in the future. And those skills can also help us then do the second part, which is there needs to be some healing about the past. There needs to be some understanding about the needs that were not met. There needs to be some compassion, some empathy, and often by strategizing about how everyone's needs could have been met. Um, again, that's a way that we create healing for the past. So between those two, plus, of course, the skill of appreciation, uh, recognizing what there is to appreciate and practicing that. Um, in my experience, um, it's often not that the sort of love or positivity has been lost, but it's kind of like it's a sun that's behind a cloud bank. And so these tools help to burn off the cloud bank so that the, the sun of the relationship can be revived. Very well said. Thank you. How can I manage my anger in a triggering situation? Oh, that's a good one. I describe myself as being an expert on both anger and guilt. So <laughs> I've had lots of practice with this one. Um, again, sometimes it's about just recognizing that we need to, to 
to uh, to deal with it differently. But often, again, if if I approach a situation differently, if I initiate a conversation in a different way, I get a really different response back. So I don't actually have to manage my my anger. I've actually prevented it from occurring by how I approach the conversation. I remember uh, a mother telling me that about her kids. It's like, wow, you know, when I approach things in the way that you suggest, I get, it's like I have a different kid. <laughs> that is very true. So the next question is, how can NVC create peace if you are not in touch with the person anymore? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people have moved away, we've lost touch with them, sometimes people have died. Mm -hmm. And um, we often think about, you know, issues or lack of peace as occurring between people. And that's absolutely a dimension of it. But I've also realized that whenever that's going on, there's also there's a lack of peace within myself. And so this process is so powerful for creating that inner peace. Um, and so then when I think about the other person, there is that quality of care and, and connection. It's like by restoring the peace within myself, um, that, that's all that's needed in those situations. Wonderful. And the last question that we can answer for today is, does um, NVC help us to talk through the conflict with the other person or um, or group? Um, yes, absolutely. Again, that's the, for me, there's, there's two sides to this. One is dealing effectively with the emotion, the getting ourselves onto level ground. And then it's a, it offers some really different ways to have those conversations in a much more connected way. I remember, you know, showing this to my mother one time and she went, that's the exact opposite of everything I was ever taught. And I kind of was thinking in the back of mind, I know because it's the exact opposite of everything you ever taught me. <laughs> so absolutely. And that's, again, um, it's an incredibly powerful and yet quite simple way of structuring conversations that um, can make them more efficient, efficient, effective, and really creating a permanent peace. Cause I've seen that in my own life in the life of my clients. Perfectly said, dear Glenda, thank you so much. And now if, um, allow me to share my screen quickly. And now if any of you are inspired to know more about Glenda, um, this is more information on how to contact her. And there's also be infinite uh, contact information included. You can also see the heartfulness events uh, information on the slide um, for the peace meditation that is happening this evening. Uh, dear Glenda, do you want to speak more to how people can contact you? Thank you. Um, yes, so uh, email is a great way to reach me. Um, I'm all, and you can check out my websites. Um, and uh, what I love is you can also book a time to talk with me if, if you're having a difficult situation and there's something you'd like support with, um, you can go in and actually see my calendar and book a time at meetwithglenda.com. So I love being able to, to have people able to connect with me directly if they wish. Thank you so much. And the link um, for Heartfulness uh, event this evening is heartfulness.org 
forward slash peace day. And I am going to actually share um, this uh, slide and information after the event um, on the event page. Thank you, dear Glenda, uh, for being with us today. Thank you, everyone, for your presence. We are grateful for your participation and interest. We will also have a second session with Glenda in October, as she explained, to focus on how you can assist other people who are challenged with anger or frustration to find peace in their lives. So we are also planning to um, add NVC programs to our platform in the near future. And to know more, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and also subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you so much, everyone. Goodbye, and have a great rest of the day.